So we have been talking about a heart which is so uh, important to us because out of it flows the issue of life. Out of it determines the success, the failure, or whatever happens in our life. So what is our heart? Let's uh, refresh ourselves once again. Our heart is made out of our spirit and our soul. So when we talk about our soul, we're talking about our mind, our will, our emotion. So we learn that uh, the, the heart is the true us that dwells in this body. So it's true our body the heart expresses what is inside. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's very important that we understand the function, the original function of the heart. The heart was created for God to dwell. God inside our heart and we working with God, uh, then we are able to live out our destiny, the calling that God has given to us. But we learn that there's another source that we want to infiltrate into our hearts and dwells in our heart. And uh, behind it, we know, is demonic voices, demonic influence that wants to come in and take control. So it's very important that we maintain a single heart so that the enemies will not be able to come in. Okay, when we have a divided heart, then the enemies will find uh, opportunity, loopholes to come and enter into our heart. We see from the example of our Lord Jesus, because He was so single in His heart to serve God, to, to, to uh, worship God. The enemies try. Satan come and tempt Him. No, but Jesus was so single in his worship and in his uh, commitment to God, the enemy was not able to enter in. So he was able to uh, stood his ground, even though he knew before him was suffering, before him was you know tremendous torment and and even death. But yet, because he was so single in his heart, that the enemies could not tempt him through to the, the glory of this world, to what uh, uh, the, the outward uh, things uh, in life. So we learn that when we are so single in our heart to serve God, to worship God, the enemies will not be able to come in. But the problem with us is very often we have a divided heart. And that's when the enemies are able to infiltrate and come and work in our hearts. So last week, we learned that there are different voices beside the satanic voice behind it. But on the surface, there are voices that speaks to us, that, that wants to occupy our hearts rather than uh, the voice of God. We talk about the voice of our emotion and, and, and our relationship. So sometimes because of people, because of relationship, we, we just cannot do the right thing. We just cannot hear uh, 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 what God wants to say because the, the relationship uh, has captured our heart. We talk about the voice of immaturity because we are so immature, we follow the ways of the world. So when God speaks, we, we just brush it off. And then human rational thinking. So the rational mind cannot understand the ways of God. And that's why it rejects the voice of God if that voice is speaking. 
and the voice of dishonoring the familiar vessel that God uses to speak to us because we are so familiar with the person or with uh, the, the, the instrument and we, we just take it for granted. And then lastly, we talked about spiritual pride. So this morning, there are two more voices that I want to share with you that can really affect our heart and uh, so that God's voice cannot penetrate. Let's go back to the scripture, to the verses that we were reading last week. Let's go back to Matthew 16. I'm going to begin reading verse 1 to verse 4 uh, for a start. Matthew 16 verse 1 to verse 4. The Pharisee and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Jesus replied, when evening comes, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the time. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Okay, Jesus was uh, referring to the Pharisees and Sadducees. These are people who have so-called served God, studied the scripture, you know, know the laws of God. But Jesus said this is a wicked and adulterous generation. So what Jesus is saying, these people, even though they want to serve God, they allow This generation, they allow the worldly philosophy, worldly influence into their life also. You know, so they have one heart but two minds. Part of it want to serve God, part of it want to listen and, 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 and subscribe to the philosophy of this world. So Jesus is trying to say these people have a divided heart. That's why when God speaks, they cannot hear, they cannot receive it. But Jesus said, it's so simple. When you look at the sky, you know what happened. So, if you really want to listen to God with a single heart, it is so simple. You can just receive it. But because you are a wicked and adulterous generation, because your heart is divided, that's why you can't understand. That's why you don't see it. Okay, so we understand that in order to know the mind of God, the heart of God, the will of God, it doesn't come by rational reasoning. Okay, because God's way is not man's way. So this visit, I went to UK, I met up with a family. And the daughter uh, just finished her study and uh, she, they were miraculously, they were given citizenship uh, in UK. Okay, so they can stay there, they can live there, but they're Malaysian. So, the struggle is this. The daughter has a mission heart. She wanted to serve God beside working, beside earning, but other times she wants to serve God. She wants to go uh, to the underprivileged people and minister to them. That's her heart. That's what she wants to do. In order to be able to do that, she, 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 she knew if she continued in UK, she will earn a lot of money, but she will not be able to do what 
she has in her heart. So she wanted to come back so that she can serve. But all the advices, all the opinion of people are telling her, you're stupid, you're foolish. You know, can you see? God miraculously give us citizenship in this place and why, why are you going back to Malaysia? Right? So if you use rational thinking, you can earn more money there, life is more comfortable there, after all God has given us uh, citizenship there. So there is a lot of reason to prove to you, to show you that's the right thing to do, stay in UK. But her heart is for mission. Her heart is to minister to these underprivileged people. And she knew that place is back home so that she can really live to God. So you see, we cannot use our rational thinking to, to understand and to, to, to make decisions. Our decision has got to come from the heart. So I told her, I told her, Follow your heart. Follow your heart because that's where God speaks. You know, human reasoning. I can agree if we are just working on the realm of the natural. You know, all those reasoning will tell you stay in UK. But we have a God who, who dwells in our heart, who speaks in our heart. And so if our heart is pure, we will be able to listen and, and hear what God says. So we follow the leading of our heart. But of course, if your heart is double-minded, you'll, you'll be confused. Should I go this way? Should I go that way? Should I go this way? Should I go that way? You're double-minded. But when you're so single, you know. Jesus was so single in His heart, in His commitment. If not, when He looked at the cross, He looked at the suffering, He looked at all the pain and, and the rejection and so on. Of course, it's silly to go that way. That's why Peter said, you mustn't go that way and rebuke him. But Jesus followed the heart. He said, I must serve God. God, not my will, your will. He, he follows the heart, not his mind. So our hearts has really got to be purified so that we can hear God. Because so many of us, we hear God. But the trouble is we hear the other voices even louder. So at the end, we just dismiss the voice of God from our hearts. So we just continue the, the fifth voice that, uh, uh, from last week that we want to uh, speak to us is preoccupied need in our life. Preoccupied need in our life. So when you have a preoccupied needs in your life, when you hear God, you, you, you don't hear the way that God wants to speak to you. You hear the way you want God to speak to you. Okay, there is a word of difference, right? Okay, let's look at it here now. For, uh, uh, verse 6 to verse 11. Matthew 16, verse 6 to verse 11. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, it is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you of little faith, 
Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many baskets you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So Jesus, after dealing with the Pharisees and Sadducees, said, no, no sign will be given. And then he talked to the disciples. He said, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees and, and, and Sadducees. So, in order to understand what Jesus is trying to say, I mentioned our hearts has got to be pure. And our hearts now has got to be filled with faith. Because if our hearts are not filled with faith, we have other needs in our life that we are so concerned about because we have so little faith to trust God, to provide, to, 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 uh, to supply our needs. So the disciples have so little faith because they forgot to bring bread. So their, their minds are preoccupied by this problem. We didn't bring any bread. You know, what are we going to eat? So they are preoccupied by these needs because of their Lack of faith. So that's why when Jesus talked to them, they, list, they, 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 they interpret what Jesus said through these needs that they have. Rather than listen to what Jesus said and understand what Jesus is trying to tell them. And this is true for so many of us when we listen to the Word of God. Because we have so uh, preoccupied needs. I remember one time some person was, was wanting to, 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 to resign because the person wanted to do it. Whenever I say something about go, you know, write, uh, leave, and they interpret as, oh, this is the word of God to tell them to go and leave their job. You understand? We listen, we hear what we want to hear because we have a preoccupied needs that is inside. So they say, oh, He's, he's talking about us because we didn't bring bread. So that's why a lot of us, we, we are so concerned about our daily needs. When the word of God comes, we, we just cannot accept it. We talk about the kingdom of God, we thought, oh, you know, well, that's, that, that, that's, that's not me, that's too far. But God is trying to speak to us. But because we're so preoccupied by our own needs, we can't, we can't take in what Jesus said and we interpret wrongly. Okay, so, uh, and, and they couldn't take it in. Jesus was, was so disappointed. And Jesus reminded them, don't you remember, don't you understand the five loaves and two fishes that the miracles I performed to feed the 5,000? Don't you remember the seven loaves? Not one time, two times. The second time, the seven loaves that feed 4,000 people. Can't you understand? I'm the God who can provide. And after they have eaten, you remember how many baskets full that was left over? Don't you know that I'm a God of abundance? 
that I provide and there is more than sufficient so that you don't have to worry. You don't have to be so calculative about so many things. You see, many of us Christians, we listen wrongly to, to the meaning Jesus is trying to convey about the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000 and 4,000. You know how we preach? You know, Jesus never wastes. He asked them to collect the 12 basket full. He asked them to collect the 7 basket. The leftovers. So, that controls our life. That controls our mindset. That controls how we do things. We, we function out of scarcity. But Jesus is trying to convey, hey, I'm the God of abundance. So now we work, you know, every, we count everything, every little, we must not waste, you know, because Jesus also never wastes. We interpret it wrong. Jesus is telling us, don't worry about the substance, the, the provision, and so on. God, abundance. You know, I can give you more than you need. Not ngam ngam. Not so that you are so careful, you know, otherwise you, can, you don't have enough. You see, we allow our circumstances to control us to read what God is trying to say. Isn't that so? We always hear preachers say, you know, collect the top basket, don't waste, collect the seven basket. Has anyone tell you, God is such abundance to the top basket full, to the seven basket full? No, we don't hear that often. Okay, and then we go on to look at another passage. It's the same story, but Jesus is telling us something else about these disciples. This is found in Mark 8, 17 and 20. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets... Uh, of pieces did you pick up? They answer seven. Okay, so Jesus is bringing another dimension. First, he said, you of little faith. So in order to hear clearly, our faith has got to be strong. Okay? And then now he said, are your heart hardened? After I've done such great miracles, can you not see? Can you, are your heart hardened? Uh, so when we have a hardened heart, what does it mean? Because our heart has already been occupied by other thoughts, other teaching, other philosophy. So what Jesus is trying to impart to us, some new thing, we have no room for it. We can't accept it. Okay, so so many of us, we have such worldly values, we, we have been brought, brought out, we grow up in certain environment. You know, those messages are so, so imprinted in our hearts. Now, when Jesus wants to speak abundance, we cannot accept it because we are still bound by poverty, spirit of poverty. Not that we are bound by poverty. We are bound by that spirit, you know, of poverty, right? So, so that we cannot hear what Jesus is trying to say. Jesus is trying to speak abundance to the disciples. 
so that their faith will rise up, so that their hearts will be so open to what God can do, rather than be controlled by their limitation, you know, and their lack, and, and so on. Right? So Jesus is saying, hey, are your hearts so hardened? You cannot learn new things, you cannot receive new things, you are so preoccupied by what you have known. So in order to receive what God has said, it's not just hearing, it's also observing, huh? watching what Jesus is doing, uh, listening. That's why Jesus said, you know, you've got eyes you cannot see, you've got ears you cannot hear, you don't remember, your heart so hardened. Okay, so we really need to use all of our senses to receive what God wants to say to us so that we will not interpret the message wrong. Okay, and then it says, uh, do you not understand what I have done? So in order to receive new things, in order to, to grow, in order to continue to move further with God, you've got to learn your lessons from the past. If you have never learned the lessons from the past, now that Jesus is trying to speak to you some other thing, you cannot receive it. So if the disciples had learned their lesson from the five, uh, uh, the, the 5,000 and the feeding of the 5,000 and feeding of the 4,000, they would not be worried about food. Then they would be able to, to, to grasp what Jesus is talking about, the yeast of the Pharisee. But they did not learn. They're still worried about their daily needs and, and so preoccupied by the daily needs. That's why they cannot hear. But if they have learned, they would know that Jesus is not talking about food. Jesus is not talking about you know, them forgetting the, the five. So then they will be able to move on to receive what Jesus said. Okay, so, so it's so important that when God is teaching us, He is progressively moving on. And if you don't follow His teaching, you get stuck. And when He's doing new things, you can't enter in. Okay, so that's what happened to the disciples. They are still stuck with concerning about food, and so on, their basic needs. Okay, so that is the voice that will take away God's word, cause us to misinterpret God's words in our life, preoccupy needs in our life, because of lack of faith, because of hardening of our hearts. The, the, the last one, the voice of erroneous religious pattern of thoughts. Okay, so he, he said, be careful. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus was not referring to just one teaching. Jesus is talking about yeast. Be careful of the yeast. Yeast, when you make bread, those of you, uh, you, you do that, you know. The yeast is only a tiny little drop that you put in. But yet, when it takes effect, it begins to work through the whole dough. It works through the whole body. Right? Just a tiny drop, but it affects the whole body. So Jesus is not talking about wrong, one wrong teaching. He's saying, be careful. This wrong teaching will create the pattern of thought in your life that will affect your whole life. That's what he's saying. saying. Okay, some, some religion believe whatever happened is fate. It has to happen. Because God has ordained it that way. So if you are met with an accident, well, just too bad, it's fate. There's nothing you can do about it. So when you allow that kind of yeast to come into your belief system, 
You will not change. You will not improve. You will not grow. Because everything you just blame it. Because it's preordained. There's nothing you can do about it. Okay, but if you take note of it and learn from it and experiment in how you can prevent it and create things that will help you so that you can move on further, then your life will be better. But once you allow that ease to come in to, to affect you, then you're going to, to, to suffer. Uh, so I was, I was watching this uh, YouTube uh, presentation. This man was studying researching on the 10 most prosperous nations in this world and the 10 most poverty-stricken nations in this world. And he wants to discover what is the cause, why these nations are most poverty-stricken and these are so prosperous. There are three underlying issues. The first one is institution. What is the condition of the institution? If there's a lot of corruption in the government, then the nation will not prosper. Okay? It's not that the nation doesn't have wealth. Some of these 10 most poverty-stricken nations, they have tremendous minerals, oil, petroleum, gold or diamond or something like that. They, they have tremendous resources. But because these sort of resources doesn't require mass, the masses to come and extract. You just only have one or two people controlling it. You know, you extract it and, and then you, 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 you sabu the whole thing. Okay, you, you, you own the whole thing because of corruption. So the rest of the population are still poverty stricken, even though the nation are so rich. So institution will affect whether a country prosper or uh, in poverty. I'll come back. The second reason is religion. I'm going to come back to this one. But the third reason is um, uh, let me just check on it. Uh, geography. The location. You know, most of these poverty-stricken nations, they are in the equatorial uh, region. You know, so he, he realized when you are in this region, it's not that you have no choice, but you are in this region. There are a lot of tropical diseases that the, the, the Western world do not need to face. You now malaria and, and other kind of diseases. You know, but when you're in this tropical region, they have cattle. In the West, uh, those climate countries, the cattle are so big and fat. But in this tropical country, they have those uh, diseases, germs, flies, that is hanging around the cattle, so the cattle are not that healthy. So because of that reason, he realized the 10 most poverty-stricken nations are, are, are around this area. They are mostly African nations, right? Oh, mostly African nations. So they have this problem. So, so even though they have land, but the climax, uh, the thing uh, that, that uh, is not that conducive, so that's why uh, they suffer. The second reason, religion. I think this is sensitive. He did not explain in details or, or, or did not talk about why. But when he say religion, meaning the country professed to, the, the poverty-stricken country, 90 over percent of the people professed to be believer of some kind of religion. 90 over percent. Okay, it's not 10 percent, 20 percent. 90 over percent of this poverty-stricken nation, they profess to have God, to have religion. Okay, 
He said, with the exception of America, America have uh, people believe uh, they are very religious, but they are prosperous. With the exception of America, but this ten poverty-stricken religion, okay. So the ten pros- most prosperous nation, they are open. They didn't profess that they have certain kind of religion uh, uh, that dominate their nation, but but they are they are open. They are liberal, you know. But they are prosperous. Okay, that's all he said. So I want to interpret this as the yeast of the Pharisee. When the yeast of the Pharisee come into your mind, like this ten poverty stricken nation, then you are your whole life, your whole uh, philosophy of life, your the way you do things, your nation. Are bound by it, are affected by it. And one of the nations is Malawi, where I went to. So when I went to, 90% of Christian. They have plenty for land. Certain places they have rivers. But they do nothing about it because they believe God will bless them. They believe in prayer. They've been believing that for Many, many years, but nothing happened. But they still believe in prayer. They still believe God will bless them. But they're waiting for God to bless them. But in their twisted mindset, probably when people like me, a white man compared with a black man, a white man come, God has come. God has brought blessing to them. That's what they are looking for. You see, when you allow the yeast of the Pharisee to come in, it destroys you because it controls your whole life, your whole pattern of thought. Instead of believing God is a great God, you know, we, God has given us great talents. Let's go out, let intelligent wisdom, let's work whatever God has for us, let's use it to make the nation prosperous. No, they believe religious thinking, east of the Pharisee. So the east of the Pharisee, they still believe in prayer, they keep praying. And some of us are like that. We keep praying. We keep praying. Nothing happened. We keep praying. We keep believing. You see, but prayer without work is dead. If you don't work at it, nothing will happen. I know there are exceptional cases when God is so merciful, you know, that out of the blue it happened. But there, the, the normal circumstances is God has given you the gift. God has given, we just read this, this, this morning, it's God who has given us the ability to gain wealth. Ability. He didn't say God give you wealth. God give you the ability to gain wealth. So you've got to use the wisdom, the skill, the you know, training and so on in order for you to gain wealth. And it's not you. It's not because of how clever you are. It's because God has given you the ability to gain wealth. But if you allow the yeast of the Pharisee to come in, you just trust in God. You just trust in God. You don't do anything. You know, Jesus, He believed in prayer. He said, if you want to bind the strong man and take possession of what he has, you've got to go into his house. You've got to go where the strong man is. But many of us, we don't. We just keep confining ourselves in the four walls and keep praying and, and deal with the strong man and, and, and bind and shout and, and proclaim and whatever, but we don't do anything else. 
That's why nothing changed. Because the yeast of the Pharisee has come in. We don't understand. Okay? What Jesus was talking about. So today, even among ourselves, there are so much of the yeast of the Pharisee in our life that we are unaware of. Some of us, yes, we have learned the scripture. God is the one who gives us gift. And He assigns it to different ones according to His will. Yes, we learn that. So now, when you ask, you're asked to do something, you say, I don't have the gift. Settles it. I don't have the gift. It's not my responsibility. It's those who have the gift. But we never realize God is saying, when you earnestly seek after, hey, God may give it to you. When you are hardworking and when you begin to reproduce your faithful, and God will multiply it to you. When you're being trained, equipped, you know, then you go in faith. We, 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 we forgot about those things. So we very easily allow the yeast of the Pharisee to come in and brush aside everything else. We say, I don't have the gift. In other words, don't ask me. I'm not responsible. I can't. So just back off. You see, the yeast of the Pharisee. Luke 11, verse 42. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, root, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So what happened to the Pharisees? They are so legalistic in their mindset. And that's, that, that, is, that is from the law as well, from the word of God. So they are so legalistic, even mint, you know, tiny little bit, they are so careful to measure one-tenth belongs to God. But then the Word of God also teaches about mercy. The Word of God also teaches about the love of God. But they totally neglect that. They neglect that. And they are so focused on, on, on this, this tenth, one-tenth, this tithing, this law. So this is what happened to the, to the yeast of the Pharisee. They focus on something, but they neglect the other thing. So that's why their religious belief is totally imbalanced. You know? They, they, they keep emphasizing on what they are strong at, but they ignore what they have neglected. Jesus saying you shouldn't do that. Okay, so that creates the problem. Uh, that is what is called the yeast of the Pharisee. And you look into your life, we look into our life and see, are there certain beliefs that we hold to that affects us, but it's not complete? In fact, it destroys us. Right? It stops us from moving forward. Because we're so strong in this area. We like to boast about this area. But what about the other area? And that's why when you want, we want to deal with people, it's sometimes it's difficult. They keep telling you how good they are. But they, they don't want to look at what the other areas that they are suffering or they, that they need to work at. And that's why the Pharisees, they're strong on the Sabbath. You know, you cannot, Sabbath day, you cannot walk too far. 
You can walk, but not not beyond certain limit. And uh, now in Israel, we went there. You, you know, Sabbath day, you are not even to turn on the switch for the light. It's automatic. Saturday, uh, Sabbath day, it will turn on for you. The leaf, Sabbath day, it will on for you. Every floor, they will stop. You know, because you are not supposed to work. You are not supposed to press the button to go to the 10th floor. Uh, no, it was just on every floor so that when it arrived, you just walk. You see, the, the yeast of the Pharisee, how they control your mindset. So that's why Jesus, when he healed on Sabbath day, they said, cannot. Sabbath day, you cannot, cannot work. Not even to save people's life. You cannot. You see, this kind of religion, right? It's, it's, a, it's a yeast of the Pharisee. That's not what God teach, but they they take the truth and 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 add in what they want to say. So the yeast of the Pharisee, we, we got to be careful about it. So the false religion, they will give you a form of godliness, but denying its power. So this this Okay. Uh, I, I can give you a lot of example about the use of the Pharisee. That is very real. You know, in those days, even salvation, gospel salvation. Uh, so the, the gospel of salvation, the word is evil. You know, God wants to save us and go to heaven. Yes. Is it truth? Yeah. But because of that, the use of the Pharisee set in. He said, hey, this word is evil, so you've got to withdraw yourself. Don't mix with you know, people. Don't, don't, don't go to that kind of places and so on. And, and, but Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. Where do you shine your light? You shine your light where the darkness is. You want to take possession of the city? You've got to go into the city and find out the strong man, and then you take the city. But, but the ease of the Pharisee control us. So we, we, we become withdrawn. Okay? And, and not... Uh, uh, moving forward. Right, let's look at this passage now uh, about true religion. James 1, 22-27 Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. Okay, I stop here. Okay, so what is true religion? It reveals to you who you are, what you look like. You look into the mirror, you see the pimple, you see the, 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 the scar, the whatever, you see the, the defection so that you can do something about it. So when you come here, if the Word of God doesn't speak to you, doesn't review certain things that you need to work on, then this church is not functioning the way it should. Because true religion is it's just like a mirror. You see yourself. You see, the east of the Pharisee comes in. When we do that, when that happens, the east of the Pharisee will say, you know, pastor is very strict. You know, this church is very strict. He's talking about me. He's attacking me. He, he knows my problem. Somebody must have told him. So he's talking against me. I don't like him. That's the yeast of the Pharisee. But true religion is supposed to show you. So that when you listen, you don't go away, forget about it. You go away taking the word, do something about it. 
So if we have been just listening to sermons and do nothing, we are allowing the yeast of the Pharisee to set in. We didn't do anything about it. Verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Esther. So when he say the truly religious person, he will look intently into the perfect law. He didn't say he will look intently into God's law, but perfect law. What does it mean to look intently into the perfect law? In order to look into the completeness of the teaching, the law in its completeness, not emphasizing on certain things and forget about the others, a lopsided teaching. But you look into the perfect law. You look into every aspect of what the Word of God is saying. So when you look at that and, and, and you, you work at it, you see, it's complete. It's perfect. Right? So he said, 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 he the he said, 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 he the Bible says that's deception. Because we feel that we've done, we've done it. Oh, we love God. No, it's deception. Okay, you have to look into the perfect law, the law in its completeness. And then you go and do it. And then verse 26 and 27, why has this got to do with religion, true religion? You see, that's when we read on. 26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that our God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, so some people, you know, the, the true religion it affects every area of your life, including your conversation, your words. Some of us can, can our tongue are, are, are sharper than double-edged sword. It can kill, right? But but you say if you can't ring over your, your, your tongue, then your religion is worthless. And then it talks about the religion that pleases the Father, you know. Is, is, is a religion that is filling your hearts with love. So you have compassion for the, the, the widow, for the orphans, for those who are in needs, for those who are suffering. You know, you want to minister to them. So, you know, true religion, it affects your heart. Not just your head, not what you believe, but also your action, your life. What you would do about it. Okay, so true religion will, will, will fill your hearts with love. You care about the widows. You care about those who are suffering, those who are in need. You want to minister to them. And then finally, I nearly missed out. Verse 25, go back to it. True religion gives freedom. Verse 25. But a man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue to do this, Right? So true religion gives freedom. 
So, false religion will keep you in bondage. You know, you mustn't do this, you mustn't do that. You, 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 blah, blah, blah. It's all limitation. But true religion causes you to realize who you are. Your worth, your talents, your gifting, your potential, how God wants to use you. You know, and so you begin to be free. Free to live a full life. So if you are not living a full life, you're still not free. There's still a lot of things binding you. The yeast of the Pharisees is still working in your life. So Jesus told the disciples, be careful, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisee. They love God, but then the religious belief binds them. Jesus come to set us free, to live out a glorious life, a life of the Son of God. Shall we pray?